Welcome back to the Reside Platform Podcasts. We are super excited for our special guest. And if you don't know who this person is, you probably do. But if you don't, you're going to be really excited and you're going to want to follow his content because it's he's really the OG of real estate podcast, YouTube content, massive value. We got Joshua Smith here and check this out. He started in real estate in 2005, sold 48 homes his first year. Super jealous of that because I sold one home. Started a team in 2006. Like, get this. He started a team in 2006 before teams were even teams, right? So he's been doing this for a long time and has sold over 7,000 homes, named 30 NAR's Realtor 30 Under 30, top 30 Realtor in the U.S., host of the GSD podcast, Sunit was just on the podcast, so was I, and we just had to ask Josh to be on this with us. He is the founder of The Perfect Storm. It's a website CRM for realtors, so he's a tech leader. He's a founder and owner of Mastery Bootcamp Coaching Program. Just got done with a a two-day mastermind. Over 100 top producers, broker owners, team leaders. We're going to want to find out about that. Joshua, welcome to the podcast. Yeah, no, it's an honor to be here. I'm I'm stoked to be jamming with you guys. Yeah, and so Sydney and Josh has known each other for a while. So Sydney, you said you have a notebook full of questions. Yeah, well, I mean, and Josh is sick of me telling this this same story. So we might as well just get it out of the way now, right, Josh? Is like I got my real estate license again in 2014 and did moderately okay. I had never listened to a podcast at that point in my life had never watched a youtube um youtube at all at that point in my life 2014 right i guess i was a late bloomer and um dan herbert who is still with me on my team um was a graduate of uh, joshua's program told me he's all dude podcast i was like what the what the hell's podcast like what is this you mean that's the purple button on my iphone well let me listen to it what's the podcast i listen to and the only one I listened to for way too long was the GSD mode. This changed my life. And like I said, Josh is tired of me saying this, but this changed my life. Mentor from afar got me back into fitness, got me into lead gen, um, introduced me to Cheplak, right? Like so many integral parts of my life came from Joshua Smith's spot. So, the first, I mean, that's where I heard about Gary V, Grant Cardone, literally everything, right? So the first question I was like, oh, dude, Joshua was coming out. I have an opportunity to ask him is when you were coming up, what were you listening to? What was your inspiration that kind of like me talking to you, getting all excited, like a fangirl still, even though we're homies, right? But where did you get that from when you would come up? Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, you know, a couple things. Um, you know, people were here the first year, my first year in real estate, you know, because I'm being comparison is a great thing because there's a healthy level comparison, but then there's a negative level comparison as well. And you know, I was really blessed to grow up in the health club industry. My dad owned and operated gyms for 30 years. I started selling health club memberships and personal training packages for my dad at the age of 14. So, I mean, I had nine years of in-depth sales experience before I jumped into real estate. So like this was, you know, like it was just, okay, I'm just exchanging 
switching out the product. You know, now I'm selling myself on helping people go out there and guide and, and accomplish their real estate goals versus selling memberships and personal training packages. You know, um, you know, so I, I, I mean, from early on, man, I mean, my first mentor, I guess, would be my father, you know, um, um, in the sales game. My father had a lot of success in that industry. Um, and then from there, when I jumped into real estate, you know, one thing that I realized out of the gate, I'm like, dude, I just identified, I'm like, who is the biggest badass in our marketplace that I can align with? I didn't care what the splits were. I didn't care what, like, it didn't matter to me. You know, I was just like, I, you know, just from growing up and, and, you know, I was a wrestler, played football, competed in bodybuilding. And, and I'm like, dude, like you, you gotta, you gotta have the right, that right mentor, right. Um, that right coach, that right. Um, uh, so, you know, that was game number one is I just, I just found who, who is the biggest badass that I want to emulate that I would like to eventually become. And that has created the success that I want to go out there and create. So I found this dude in our market named Nate Martinez. That was just a freaking stud. He's still stud today. You know, I spent my first nine years of, of my career, just, you know, under him, shadowing him, learning everything I possibly could from him. Um, then from there, now this is dude, like I jumped into this game before YouTube exists, before podcasts exist, like none of this shit existed. Right. So um, I was really blessed. I had a, a dude in my office, Rick Ramirez, that, um, you know, just saw my work ethic. I made sure I was the first one in, last one out every single day, saw how committed I was. And, and he gifted me. He's like, hey, man, I think that this is going to resonate really well with you. And he gifted me the, the audio CD set of Jim Rohn's Art of Exceptional Living. And man, I just put that in my damn car. Just, I mean, for, for over a year, I just looped that over and over and over. And, you know, to be honest with you, I mean, I was never really into self-development outside of like mandatory reading in school. I never read a book by choice, you know? Um, and, and, you know, I remember, you know, with a few things out of the gate that Jim Rohn said immediately that resonated with me was, you know, the amount of money that you make is the amount of value that you bring to the marketplace. You want to make more money, increase your value. And he's like, the day that your life changes is the day that you start to work harder on yourself than you do in your job. Like once I heard those two things, that just began my obsession with self-development. And so, I mean, that was the early on, you know? Um, and, and, you know, again, I, I just, I, I, like, I've never seen the point of trying to figure shit out on my own. You know, and, and, and I get, and get it, I guess with, with background in wrestling sports, I mean, just all the same experiences we've all had. It's like my son's in band right now from Trumpet. It's like, okay, I'm not like, dude, go figure this shit out on your own. Okay, we're going to go get him the right coaches. We're going to go get him the right, you know, it's like, why don't we apply that to our, 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 our businesses as well? So, you know, I was, I've always been very intentional about, um, you guys may know, know his name, Russell Shaw, you know, as an example. I mean, one of the first things that I did as soon as I got licensed and I heard about Russell Shaw yeah, you know, I begged him to allow me to, to take him out to lunch. The dude spent like three hours with me, uh, just pouring into me, giving me every piece of knowledge that you could ever fathom. And, and, and at a point where there was no way I could add any value to this life. He took three hours out of his busy day and sat down with me and just poured into me. You know, um, and what I quickly realized is, man, the top of the top of this game are so open to sharing and helping and supporting because they would have never got to the level they're at if they didn't have people that did that for them. So then, you know, because again, this was before podcasts, dude. So then I just started identifying top producers in other markets. In my first couple of years, man, I mean, I don't know what, I spent 40, 50 grand just jumping on airplanes. I would just call up top producers all over the country, beg them to allow me to be a fly on the wall at their office, come out and spend a few days, whatever. And I just, just kept repeating that process, man, as much as I possibly could, just learning from the best that I could. Dude, that's, that's great. That's great. Like, I love that early Jim Rowan stuff. Like, I've always, you know, 
um, sending Nick text messages like, bro, Jim Rohn this, or like Brian Tracy this. So the all-school fundamental stuff. Yeah, so right you're still to this day, you you call me up. It's like, Nick, I'm listening to Jim Rohn in the car. I'm like, <laughs> whoa. <laughs> now, I'm interested. I was going to start it over. It's been about a month since I heard any of it. So that's, yeah. Which is really cool about this is we got Preston here. And so Preston and, and Josh just met and, but you know, Preston as a beginner's mind, what I'm curious for you to ask a question. I'm, I'm still, try, still trying to think of the question to ask. <laughs> you know, for me, I started in 2004, 2005 and it's, you know, not necessarily the same story, but similar story. The guy that I actually went to work with was he'd been in the business land development and construction and, you know, same thing. I worked with him for five years and had a mentor and I sat in his office and was a sponge in every conversation he was, he spoke to people because he, it's a crazy story. Like I, I used to bust tables in high school at, at a restaurant he managed. He also sold real estate and ended up starting a company. And I sat in his office for five years and it was like an open office. So I'm sitting there, you know, I'm early twenties and just listening to every conversation he has and every conversation that people come in, you know, it was, a, I think if you, you, you say like giving back, I mean, I think we all have somebody like that in our past that was a big part of, and maybe for Snead, it was listening to your podcast. But for me, it was sitting in that office for five years, um, just listening to the conversations and, and being, being a part of it. And, you know, him giving a lot of things to me that most don't give away for free, you know, and he was at that top level of, you know, it, of real estate and our market and everything else. Uh, you know, it's kind of a similar story as well. Yeah. I mean, and I had a mentor here in, in Sacramento and it was great. My kids are going crazy back there right now. I don't know if you guys can hear them, but they are screaming. Um, but, um, is, I had a mentor here in Sacramento that was great. But what I learned from Joshua and that exposure was everything else that was happening all over the country. So like that was the really cool part. Um, Josh, like out of curiosity, where are some of the teams that you went and sat in on, if you don't mind sharing? Yeah, yeah. So, you know, like Ryan Dallas out in Champaign. So, you know, he he's, he's a dude that, um, you know, very small market, Champaign, Illinois. Um, but man, he just dominates that market share, you know, um, uh, you know, so spent a lot of time with him, you know, a lot of time in with, with Chantel Ray, you know, she was kind of one of my early on, you know, and, and that just blew my mind, man, you know, reaching out to Chantel. She's like, oh yeah, you know, it was just like that instant, you know, not just, you know, um, you know, can you come out and be a fly on the wall? But yeah, let's come out and spend some time together, get to, you know, like it, it was just just that eye opener of, of again, how giving, you know, the top of the top are, and I get people are busy. So you're not always going to get a yes to this, you know? Um, but then, okay. I met, meet Chantel Ray. I'm out there now. Um, Chantel Ray and her husband, Ryan Finch had, had, uh, built, they were in the industry separately before they met. So then they, you know, even though they're married, they have their own separate real estate companies, you know, right. Um, uh, and even though that her, I guess her name was, Ch you know, Chantel Finch or Chantel Ray Finch, she still went by, you know, when the real estate world by Chantel Ray. So I just assumed her husband was Ryan Ray, you know, right. Um, so then I'm out there, I'm actually, you know, shadowing her. They invite me over to their house for dinner. So then I'm out there and I'm speaking to her husband. Now at this point, you know, um, um, you know, I'm in Remax and I'm studying everybody's accolades, who the top of the top are, you know, and, and I start talking with her husband and he's like, oh, I'm in real estate too. 
And I'm like, oh, really? Just assuming that maybe they work together, maybe, you know, whatever. Yeah. And then I get deeper in the conversation. I'm like, it just clicks. Like, dude, this is Ryan Finch, number one REMAX agent in the United States. You know, right? And and then from there, I mean, for almost the next decade, I mean, I spent every year where I'd go out there and shadow them, um, shadow each of their businesses separately. And look, as it, great as podcasts are, and as great as the virtual world is, there is, and, and I'm a huge believer, huge proponent of that. I do it too, you know, um, but there's just something that you gain from being there physically in person, Yeah, you know, that you cannot gain from a podcast, right? That you cannot gain from, it's like, I want to look at like, dude, how, how do they handle conversations? I would start breaking down, like, what do they eat? How, how quickly do they eat? How fast do they walk? How do they handle conversations with people? What's their focus look like? I wanted to know their morning routine. It's like, I just, you know, was just obsessed with, with studying everything because dude, success leaves clues. It's like, okay, if I want to be successful, I just need to go out there and emulate what the most successful people do. And, and then boom, that success is going to be replicated. Dude, love that. And what principles did, what principles did you find from these top performers? The, yeah. you know, the top tens, the, was there any, you, you know, what, in, in their in, personal in, life, the way they, their habits, they're eating it outside of real estate. Yeah. A few things there, but I'll, I'll tell you one of the biggest, you know, um, in the beginning, it was kind of a disappointment, you know, um, um, I expected to, to go out there and see the magic pill. I expected to go out there and see something revolutionary that nobody else knew that nobody else was doing. And that quickly realized, and again, it was kind of a disappointment, but it was also kind of a, you know, a huge aha and a great thing was they weren't doing anything special. It was just like, you know, they, 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 they mastered and executed on the fundamentals more consistently and better than everybody else, you know? So then, then I mean, again, it was a, 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 the disappointment because I was expecting to, you know, what, what I was expecting to find didn't exist, you know? But then from there, I'm like, okay, it very clearly was, okay, what do I need to master? And now we are back into a market. I mean, the last 10 years, it's like, you could just kind of be consistent, just kind of show up, just kind of work hard and deals fill in your lap. Right. Well, the game has changed. There's business times of war, business times of peace. You know, the game has now changed where it's back to he or she that's the best operator, he or she that masters the fundamentals and executes them on the best and most consistent way is going to go out there and continue to dominate. Yeah. You know, right. Um, so it's like amateurs are going to get murdered right now and pros are going to go out there and dominate. You know, um, so that was number one. And then quickly I realized, you know, because I, I didn't want to be, you know, like I, I wanted to, and, and still, you know, it's like, okay, I want to be, you know, it's, best as I can take it, you know, and, and it was never been, uh, well, I want to be number one It's say, hey, I just want to become the best version of myself, you know? And, and I know that that's a hell of a lot more than where I'm at, you know? Right. Um, but I knew out of the gate, I was like, dude, I want to become a big income earner. I, I believe that I had the capability of doing that. So one thing I realized really early on is, okay, like, what was the difference? And one thing I started studying really early on is what's the difference between the six figure earners and the seven figure earners in this industry? You know, um, and it's what I, what I quickly realized was, okay, between like 8 a.m. and 8 p.m., the shit that they did was pretty much the same. It was what they did between 8 p.m. and 8 a.m. that made the difference. You know, um, uh, you know, like with their intentionality of their time, with their self-development, evening routines, morning routines, you know, and, and I'll just go back to that intentionality. You know, that was, a, it was like everything was intentional. Everything was with purpose. Everything aligned. You know, um, like little things like, okay, never making sure you never enter a day without that day being fully committed to paper first. Like these people then show up to the office being like, oh, I'm going to work hard today. What do I do? In that situation, you've already lost that day. It's like they knew exactly what they needed to do each and every single day to win. They knew every single day, every single week, every single month, every single year, you know, so it's just, okay, that planning and then that consistent execution on that plan 
but then not just in business life, but also personal life. You know, okay, what do I need to do in my personal life to allow me to execute at the best version of myself in my business? And of course, you know, they have outside of lights too, but it all comes together. It's like, okay, this also allows me to show up as the best version of myself for my kids, for my significant other, you know? Um, so th those were some of those really early on lessons that I took away that, you know, just became my own personal obsessions. Yeah, solid, solid. So dude, I have so many questions and they're all over the place. Um, but what you just said resonated. So when you were early on agent, to make this, you know, talking to some of the agents who are no doubt grinding, if they're listening to this, they, then you know that they're on the right track. What, what are those non negotiables you think for an agent in today's market? Yeah. So, I mean, if we're speaking, and I guess it comes to, you know, all of it, but it, it are, you know, agent, team leader, broker, owner, but, um, there, so we can go I'll, through I'll, all. Keep, I'll keep it more specific to the agent side. Cause that was, okay. that was the question, but it's, you know, all right. Number one, you got to have clarity on what is that you want? What do you want? Why do you want it? Why is it important to you? This is the biggest mistake that I see people make is they, they lack extreme clarity on what it is that they want. And again, not just what do you want, but why do you want it? Why is it important to you? Why must you go out there and accomplish this thing? Because there will be thousands of reasons as to why not to show up and do the work. And there's usually only several reasons as to why go out there and do the work. And you're not going to push through the bullshit that we have to push you to go out there and create the success that we want to create unless you are extremely clear on the reason and or reasons as to why you need to go out there and make those things happen. You know, um, but then from there, if we are also not clear on what is that we want. So, you know, Sunit going back to our, 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 you know, being massive fans of Jim Rohn, you know, right. I mean, what, what's the success of, uh, what's the definition of success and definition of failure? It's just small, tiny decisions made each and every day, all throughout the day that compound over time. Right. Failure is just the opposite. Small errors in judgment made each and every day all throughout the day that compound over time that, you know, lead your life or business into a failure. So how do we how can we possibly know if we're making the right decision or the wrong decision all throughout the day um, if we don't know what is of, of where we're going? So, you know, that's where I always look at and start first is okay, where are we at dealing with realities of where we're at and then where it is that we want to go. Well, then from there, we can reverse, you know, reverse engineer the architectural plans to get us from where we're at to where we want to go. So that's number one that I see most people, uh, uh, biggest mistake that we have. Then from there, most people don't even understand the game it is that we are playing. Like you got to know the game. You got to understand the game. You got to master the game um, and every element of the game and then be a professional at the game. You know, um, and what do I mean by being a professional? So if we look at the overall real estate sales funnel, right? So, okay, it starts with activities. Activities exist to go out there and generate leads. You know, then, okay, we got activities, then it puts them into our funnel, you know, our CRMs into our funnel. Okay, then we got leads. Leads exist to go out there and set appointments. Appointments set exist to conduct the appointments. Appointment conductions exist to, exist to generate clients. Clients to under contract, under contract, you know, to closings. Boom, now we got a past client. That becomes our number one lead source, and then it's repeat. So when I talk about mastery, another word for mastery is just obsession. You know, so when we start breaking down each of these components of the funnel, it's just like, okay, when, it, when we look at activities, okay, are you doing everything you possibly can to maximize and optimize every activity that you are doing to fulfill its purpose? What is its purpose? To go out there and generate leads. Yeah, okay, then now they become a lead in your system. Okay, are you doing everything that you possibly can to maximize and optimize your lead conversion? Because those things, those leads, those human beings inside your system only exist to set an appointment. And then it's all the way through, right? So just that, that you know, constant obsession 
you know, it's like, okay, with every single lead source, do I understand the psychology and timeline of that lead source to make sure that my message is matching and I have a long enough frequency of follow-up to, again, optimize lead conversion? Most people don't even know what the acceptable conversion rate should be per lead source, you know, so they don't know if they're winning or losing. And they're, they're just, they're just, you know, showing at this, they're, they're showing up and playing the game in a lackadaisical fashion. And again, most don't even understand and know the game, right? So you got to know it, you got to understand it, you got to master it. Um, then from there, okay, you got to make sure that you have processes and systems dialed in around every single step of the game. What is tracked is measured. Yeah. Um, um, like, dude, if you are not, and I'm just still in the Jeff Bezos quote, if you don't know the data inside your business, you are 100% going to fail. This is when I say fail. Does that mean that you are not going to make it in this industry? No, you might be able to figure out how to go out there and repeat the same mediocre year for the next 30 years of your career, which is what most do in this industry, you know, um, uh, but you're not going to go out there and accomplish your goals. And maybe you do for one year. I mean, how many times do you guys hear this? I mean, I hear this all the time where somebody reaches out to me, man, I had my biggest year two years ago. I made 300 grand. You know, I, I took my foot off the accelerator, got, got content, got lazy, uh, ran out of that money. Now I'm in trouble. And I'm like, okay, well, it's easy. Just do exactly what you did to go out there and make that. Yeah. They're like, I have no idea what I did. I'm like, okay. Yeah. Right. So it, it, the only way to make smart, strategic decisions in your business is to know your data. The only way to create a predictable business is knowing your data. You know, so then, so we got, you know, your systems and processes. Then we got the data. Um, then eventually, if you want to continue growing scale, well, then you got to start plugging people in because you're going to hit a capacity. You got to plug the right people in at the right times. Um, but if we don't have the right systems and processes for those people to follow, it's like, I don't care how great that person is. They can never truly show you their greatness. And then if you're not tracking each and every single element of this, how do you know if that person's winning or losing? You know, um, so, you know, when I look at the overall fundamentals of the end, it's like, okay, strategy, process and systems, tracking, and then people. And we nail those things. And we all, and then of course, we have to know and understand the game that we are playing. Like, then you're going to go out there and crush it. But if you don't take those things seriously, and, and that's what I'm talking about when I say professional versus an amateur, professionals understand this stuff. And they take this stuff seriously. Amateurs can't be bothered, you know, to... You know, go out there and do, I mean, it's like, I, I've got a training going on right now. That's a three, about a three and a half hour in-depth, insane training where I break, you know, all of this shit down. Now, the common comment that I get is, I, dude, the three and a half hours, who the hell will take a three and a half hour training? I'm like, okay, you'll go to the game that's a three and a half hours. You'll go to sit there and watch Netflix damn show that's three and a half hours. If you are not willing to commit three and a half hours to free content that will change your life, then... Like you probably should just do yourself a favor, hang up the helmet, and go fucking find a job. <laughs> Dude, as Joshua's talking, I'm freaking grading myself and all like, oh, okay, well, um, good. So that's why you're a professional, Sunit. Is look, I, I don't perfectionism is a hologram that doesn't exist. You know, it, it's it's there's never going to be a point where everything in our business is perfect. But, but it's just like, hey, I mean, it, it's, it's like, dude, there's never a point in time where systems and processes aren't needing, you know, to be refined. There's never an area or a time where we don't need improvement. You know, it's just, it's just an ongoing thing, dude, right? And, and, but you get to a point where you get pretty damn good. Yeah. Yeah, but you always have to inspect what you expect, like nonstop. And sometimes I think as leaders grow, you, you can get away from that. Just distractions busy bullshit work. Uh, something you said really resonated with me and you were talking about getting clarity in the things that you want, right? Um, how does somebody get that clarity, Joshua? So some people are blessed where, where they already have that clarity. 
you know, um, and I'm jealous of those people. You know, I, I have been a lot of my life. Um, I had no idea. So when I started my, you know, quote unquote success journey, this was in my early 20s. This was about a year before, a year, year and a half before I jumped into real estate. Um, I dropped out of college. I allowed myself to to adopt a victimhood mindset, allowed myself to go from, you know, being in great shape and athletic and competing in bodybuilding to next thing you know, instead of eating two chicken breasts and a piece of broccoli for every meal, I'm eating two freaking quarter pounder with cheeses and Taco Bell and, you know, getting drunk you every time. Uh, oh, dude, I, I allowed myself to get up to over three, or not over three, almost 300 pounds, you know? Um, so, and I, I became massively depressed, you know, daily suicidal thoughts. My low moment was, um, you know, I planned on my suicide and I was like, well, dude, like, shit, I get the pot. Like, I, I, I got to execute on this thing and call God, call, you know, the universe, whatever anybody's belief system is. I mean, I just had this loud internal voice in my head of, I do like, instead of going down this path, let's just try a different path. Like you haven't tried this other path. If we, if we can't figure this out, this other path doesn't work. You can always come back here. And the reality is, was it just scared the living shit out of me that I allowed myself to get to that mental, the state in my mind. So at that point, I was like, okay, like I know I want something different, but I had no idea what it was that I wanted. So um, like, I, okay, what's the opposite of depression fulfillment? I'm like, what would make me fulfilled? I'm like, I have no idea. But I'm like, you know, so then I identified, okay, what is it that I don't want? You know, so at that point, I was making $10 an hour. I was sick and tired of being broke. You know, so I'm like, okay, I think if I can solve this, this money issue. Now, I had no idea how much money I needed to make to be happy or fulfilled. You know, but I'm like, okay, $10 an hour I know is not enough. So I got to find a different vehicle to go out there. And, and I'm like, so I just identified two areas of my life that I was pretty unhappy with. That if, if I could solve those, those two equations that it would, it would help. So it wasn't starting off with what I wanted. It was starting off with what I knew I didn't want. You know, um, so I was like, oh, okay, I'm sick and tired of being almost 300 pounds, barely being able to get up a flight of stairs. You know, if I'm having sex with my girlfriend, I'm like, babe, you got to be on top because I can't, I can't, <laughs> you know, treating my body, you know, right? Um, um, so I'm like, okay. So I went out there and, you know, went on a mission to lose that 100 pounds that I allowed myself to gain, get back into epic shape. Um, um, and then from there, that led me back into sales. Back into the health club sales, which then led me about a year and a half later uh, into real estate. Um, um, so yeah, I mean that's where I recommend to start. If you can't figure out what it is that you want, okay, start making a list of of the shit that you just can't stand yeah. about the situation in your life, and then just start solving those problems. You know, because this this is an it's an always changing thing. You know, um, there was a time in about 2016 where if you asked me what I wanted more than anything else in the business world, it would have been to be a high paid keynote speaker. Okay, so then from there, I started jumping on the speaking circuit. 2017, I'm gone about 50% of the year in hotel right. rooms around. I'm like, man, I got little kids. You know, I'm like, this was, I was fucking miserable. Well, sometimes you got to go down a path to realize, okay, this isn't what I want. But you don't know that until you're experiencing. So this thing's always adjusting and changing, you know, um, but it's just something to always keep, keep, you know, front of mind. I mean, it's like, okay, what the average person lives to 84 years old and then in the developed world. It's like, okay, what must happen between now and then? For when I'm on my deathbed and I'm reflecting and playing the tapes back in my life for me to sit there and, you know, cause I mean, 99% of human beings, how does that conversation go? You know, uh, shoulda, woulda, coulda, wish I would have done all this shit different. You know, now they have this heavy, hard regret and, and wish they could play that out differently. You know, it's like, okay, how, what must take place in this time that I have left for that conversation to go, Hey, maybe I didn't accomplish all my dreams, goals, and visions, but I did everything I possibly could to jump on the field, play ball. I wasn't a spectator. I'm high-fiving myself. Yeah, that's what I'm always obsessing over is how much. So I call I call it the, the ultimate scoreboard. 
That's what I'm always paying attention to is how does that ultimate scoreboard conversation must go, you know, in order to make that a reality. Dude, I feel that that's that's resonating because your boy's been on the road a little bit this year. And then I'm talking to Nick and Nick's all, no, I don't travel. No. Right. And I've been to what every conference, right? Like little speaking gigs here. And yeah. That 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 ties into clarity, you know. For when yeah, you ask me, yeah. I, you know, I'm very clear on I want to minimize my out of area time away from family. If I can't travel with family, then I'm not, you know, seeking that the clarity I have in what I want in my life. But I I think what you you know what I was hearing too is it's it's very hard to get clear. Very few people are clear, yeah. and I take the time to seek out clarity and then actually enact on that clarity to find out, whoa, that didn't work or that didn't work. And now we need to adjust. I think too, you know, Nick, with, you know, you talk about regret and the life regret. I think a lot of people live with daily regret and they can never get over that to grow. So they regret things that they didn't do or did do and just stay in that moment and never get out of it. So to have clarity, you got to get out of daily regret. If some people live in regret their whole life and can never move forward. Here's what happens when you live in daily regret. You start getting, you start living in shame. The way that you felt, Josh, right? Yeah, you start. I I lived there when I was when I was drinking too. It was like you know, I was like I didn't like myself. I, I like regretted that I did it again, and then I there was like shame, and I didn't want to talk about it. But you're right. Like I think you know Jeff Bezos. You brought him up and had a great quote. He has a a regret minimalization framework. Yeah, where where it's like okay. In five years or 10 years in the future, looking back, will you regret not doing more of X or will you regret if you continue to do Y, right? And that's kind of the things is like Josh is saying, I don't, what don't I want in my life? Like, what don't I like about it? What is the pain? And in the future, will I regret if I continue down that path? Yeah, for sure, right? And then what do I want? Well, will I regret not going after that? And I think on your deathbed, right? You kind of said that, like you're looking back on your life, you're like, you know, minimizing the amount of regret. Yeah. Yeah. You know, when, so when I took that, that break from the health club sales in that experience, I was going through, that I just talked about. So when I was making $10 an hour, I was a nurse's aide at a, at a hospital in Holland, Michigan. And most of my, I was a float. So I, you know, go into different floors, but most of my time was spent on the hospice floor. And that was the biggest eye opener because people that are in hospice, you know, in the, the, the hospital world is called heaven's waiting. Room, right. So, I mean, these are people that are, you know, it, where they're spending the last days of their life. And some of those patients would be in there for three months, some for three hours. Um, but as a nurse's aide, like my job was just to keep them comfortable and hang out with these patients. So I was having a lot of in-depth conversations for a two-year period of my time with people on their deathbeds. And I don't know if it was because I was 21 years old, if I was young, you know, um, or if you know, I developed a connection relationship with them and maybe they felt they could just be open and honest with me because I wasn't a friend or a family member. But man, it was just, dude, every one of those conversations, I never had one patient that was like, dude, life was amazing. Life was epic. I'm ready for the next journey, whatever that is. Every single one of those was sharing lessons learned that they, if they could go over the, you know, I wish I would have married somebody different. Wish I would have traveled more. Wish I would have been a better father or husband. Wish I would have, you know, went after my dream career. And I'm having questions with those people. It's like, well, why didn't you? Well, my parents really wanted me to do this. You know, it's like, okay, like, you know, you realize, okay, you got these. You know, I mean, so here's a prime example. I had a workout partner, he's 50, you know, in his mid-50s. He was also one of my agents on my team at the time. 
Um, and he comes to me. So we're working out together. And and uh, uh, I don't, after several months, he stops me in one of our workouts. Like, man, I just got to thank you, dude. He goes, up until I started working out with you and having these deeper conversations during workouts, he goes, I realized his, his father was a high-powered attorney that died when he was young. And he goes, I realized when I, like up to that point in his mid-50s, that up to that point of his life, every major decision he has made, it has been around, my father was still alive today. Would he be proud? And he goes, I've never asked my, like, I've never really focused on what do I want? You know, right? I'm like, so then I was like, well, that's awesome, dude. Great to hear. Like, you know, at some point it's like, this isn't your parents' life. This isn't your spouse's life. This isn't, you know, society's life. This is your fucking life. You know, right? Like figure out what it is that you want, not what society wants for you, not what your, you know, everybody else wants for you. Like, what do you want for you? You know, so then I follow up and I'm like, okay, what is it that you want? Because I always wanted to live in San Diego. So I'm like, okay, let's get a plan together. And like, we got, that's why he's no longer a teammate is we got him out in San Diego <laughs> months and helped him grow, them grow a real estate business out there. You know, right? Um, you know, so yeah, it's powerful to spend that time in that. And look, you know, some people have have that extreme clarity on what is it like, okay, Elon Musk, I want to go out there and, you know, revolutionize interstellar space travel because I believe that we need you to solve, you know, so the human species doesn't become exist. Or, you know, so it can continue to exist. Okay, like, dude, I don't have a why or a purpose, anything like that. <laughs> well, my whys are like, why the fuck not? You know, right? Um, or at the, at the core of the end of the day for me, it's, and my biggest challenge is, okay, that person looking back at me in the mirror, am I proud of, am I proud of that person? I mean, to me, it's very simplistic. Like that, that's just all it is for me. I don't have, like, I don't have, this might sound weird, but I don't really have financial goals. I don't really, now, of course, I set business plans and I set, you know, just of what's possible so we can have a direction to go. But like, I'm not attached to those. Like if I don't hit those goals, I'm not going to think lesser of myself as a human being. At the end of the day, it's okay. That person that was looking back in the mirror, like, am I proud of what I see? Yeah. No, that was good. <laughs> well, <laughs> good, good answer. Yeah. How do you have these meaningful conversations with the people within your company? Do you have frameworks or exercises or, because you coach, lead and train other team leaders, but you also ran or run a successful team. Yeah. And is that important? Is that important as a yeah, 100%. As a 100 yeah, 100%. Because how, how, how personal do you go to actually make an impact on someone's life? Yeah, so I, I we, we go through about six hours of exercises, you know, within their goal setting, clarity, and business planning. Because again, that business plan, it's like if somebody comes and tells me like they want to make a hundred grand a year, like the money itself is irrelevant. It's just, it's it's not even a piece of paper. It's just digits on a screen now. Like I want to know, and I want them to know. It's not about me necessarily knowing, but I want them to know. Okay, what does that mean for their life? What is that? You know, how does that impact their life? Like that deeper core meaning. You know, maybe that's to, you know, um, um, you know, get their kids the healthcare that they, you know, what whatever that thing is. Um, you know, but but we walk them through. So we start with you know a lifetime study. So um, one thing that I always do is, okay, if the, if the average person lives to 84 years old in a developed country, you know, we take 84 minus your age, current age, um, and then we prorate out. We all, we're all real, real estate here, so we all know how to prorate, you know, right? So then you prorate the amount of months that you've been at that age, right? And then we divide that out. So then now, because I found now, okay, if I sit there and be like, oh, I got 50 years left. Okay, like we as human beings don't take urgency towards time. But then how do I need to break this down? So I'm like, holy shit, it freaks me out. And I'm watching that ticker every single month. So we break it down to months. Because once you realize that you got, you know, 432 months left to exist on this planet, if you were blessed 
to live to the average age of the ha- average human being and you are not, you know, don't leave this world prematurely, you know, well, then you're just, so if you had $432 left inside your bank account, you'd probably watch where every single dollar went. So then I'll ask them, okay, do you honor your life more than you do money? Everybody says yes to that. But then I'll be like, well, dude, you're full of shit. Like you're not paying attention to your life. You spend more time designing your, designing Christmas or your vacation than you do your life plan. Like your words are hollow. Actions show what you truly value. So I take them through a lifetime study exercise. You know, I have them visual because we don't have to experience it to experience it. So I can, you know, and I can get myself in that mental state of that visualization of, you know, pretending I'm laying on that deathbed or, or not even the deathbed. Maybe it's just too late to go back and do anything different about it. Okay, what are those things I'm going to regret? So I walk them through that ultimate scoreboard exercise. Um, then from there, you know, we, we start planning on, because I don't want people to go out there, my, at least in my organization, of just making this about business. Like I want them to go out there and, you know, go out there and create an epic life because that's what we're here to do. I mean, that business is a vehicle for us to go out there and create the lives that we want to go out there and create. You know, so, so then we start, you know, from a, a long scale level down to a, an annual level called the GSD mode model, get shit done mode model, which is, okay, what is the number one outcome that you must accomplish in this aspect of your life? One for business and then any area of their personal life. So maybe once for health, maybe once for their kids, maybe once for their spouse, anything else that they want to create these four to but it's okay. What is the number one outcome that if you accomplish this over the next 12 months, it solves all your other problems. Um, and you will consider this next 12 months of your life a win. I don't want outcomes. I want outcome, right? Um, so what is that number one primary outcome? Then from there, we take a layer deeper of, okay, what are the problems and obstacles in the way that would prohibit you from making this goal a reality? So another way of framing that, like, you know, when I ask people, okay, well, well, you know, what are your 12 month goals or five year goals? Because when I start asking about people, like, what are your current obstacles? They're like, well, I don't know. So then, you know, if you frame it differently, I'm like, okay, if I were to ask you, like, why the hell have you already achieved this? Well, now all of a sudden they start giving me a bunch of reasons. Yeah, right. And I'm like, okay, those reasons are your obstacles, right? Um, um, then from there, you know, step number three is, okay, what are those must-do action steps to eliminate the problems and obstacles so you can make your goal reality? You know, um, uh, you know, Sunit mentioned Grant Cardone earlier, and about 10 years ago, I had a chance to meet Grant Cardone in person. This was before he was like internet famous, you know, right? Um, he's still massively successful, but he wasn't you know, the big internet name that he is. So the reason why I'm sharing that is he was a keynote speaker at an event, but nobody knew, knew who he was. So I was able to go out there, pick his brain, like spend like an hour, with him, you know, and have an in-depth conversations and ask him about his goals. He's asking about my goals. But I said to him, I was like, man, Grant, there's just something that I'm missing, something that I'm not doing that guys like you are doing that is blocking me from getting that next level. It was like I, you know, like in a, in a meal, it's like, oh, it's missing a pinch of salt, right? Or, or whatever. Like I thought it was that I was missing that added ingredient. He looks at me and he goes, it's because you're chasing the wrong thing. He goes, everybody thinks that success is an addition. It's almost never an addition. It's almost always an elimination. So he's like, the right question to be asking yourself is what or whom must you eliminate so then you can do the necessary actions to make your goals a reality. He goes, you obsess over that and it'll, it'll, it'll change your life. You know, um, and it was some of the best advice I've ever gotten. You know, um, so yeah, so then from there, I mean, we're looking at all of those aspects um, and then I have them do, instead of a vision board, we do a vision document. So it's like, okay, all the long-term things that you want to go out there and create, get, you know, get representations of those from a visual standpoint, you know, but then from there, let's identify, let's just say four to 10 of those things that you can and want to accomplish in the next 12 months. Then I have them write a paragraph of each. Yeah. Right. Like, okay, but what is your life going to look like? How is it going to be impacted? How is your life different? How are you going to feel? Once you've accomplished this objective, this goal of your life, and then I have them write a negative paragraph of it of, okay, how is your life going to be different? How are you going to feel, 
you know, what, or, you know, what's, what would that experience be like if this goal doesn't come a reality? Because I want them to feel the pain and then feel the pleasure of if those things accomplish. And I find that this becomes really powerful because, you know, sometimes we set goals that are maybe society's goals or somebody else's goals for us where we're like, well, if I hit them, I guess it really, I wouldn't really give a shit. You know, okay, well, then is that the right target for you? If you wouldn't give a shit, if you didn't make this thing a reality, well, should you, should it get any allocation of your focus and energy? You know, um, you know, so then from there, once we get, okay, their next 12 months of extreme clarity, you know, right. Then from there, that's developed a plan. You know, um, I'll, I'll try to help them if I can. Some things I can't help them create plans on in their personal lives, like health and fitness. Yeah. I do a lot of that with my people just cause it's, you know, background of mine and a passion of mine and you know, have some expertise there, but you know, I can definitely help them with the business, st- you know, stand of it. You know, so then we know, so then that way they know what they need to be doing daily, weekly, monthly to win, to make that a reality, you know, um, but then we can have those deeper conversations. It's not necessarily about, Hey, how are you doing on getting to make that 250 grand? It's, Hey, how are you doing on getting to X? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Having deeper core conversations. Yeah. Now, is that, is that what you do with your agents as well on the team or is, or is that more leadership coaching? That's talking? all the above, man. That's That's everything. All the above, yeah. You know, um, cause when you look at this, it's like, look, is a team leader broke around? Like the, the game doesn't change. The game is always the same. I get asked all the time, I'm like, what would you do if you were starting over Tim? It's like the same shit. Like there's, I just maybe have 50 or 100 people playing the game versus me playing the game. You know, so it's like team leaders and broker owners. It's just like, hey, man, the more, the better I can get my agents playing the game, you know, the better we can. So yeah, everybody in our organization, I mean, even our staff, I have, everybody, I don't care if you're the janitor, the CEO, agent, it's like we're walking everybody through this. Yeah. Anybody, anybody in a position in which their their actions determine their outcomes in terms of incentive structures, or even growth within the company, right? So even you know if you were starting a gym and you had sale a sales staff, you'd probably do the same thing. So like that that's the same game. That's always the litmus test for me is like would this work in other industries that are similar industries as well, or or even study those. Um, I found I mean, that that was fantastic framework. Yeah, because you know, I've not like, to, oh, go ahead. Like, how are you going to lead somebody into getting the outcome that they want if you don't know why they want it, right? And what they see as their challenge. So, yeah. So, Nick, you, you brought up, you know, in the gym industry, right? And I, I learned this in the gym business. So, okay, when I, when I was a personal trainer, okay, if, if I had a client that was just like, ah, I just want to lose 15 pounds, I look better in a bikini, you know, okay, well, it's kind of a coin toss in the air. But if I had somebody that came to me and saying, you know, hey, I just had my first grandkid. Um, and, uh, my father died prematurely of, of a heart attack and I'm about the same age my father was and about the same shape and, and have my first grandkid made me realize that, you know, man, I, I gotta, I gotta be here. I don't want to just be here. I don't want to just be present. I want to be the fun grandparent that's out there running with my grandkids and like, like, you know, like, okay, got to that root deeper reason. Okay. Now they're willing to push through all the bullshit. Yeah. Cause I mean, dude, it's, it's, it's like. Losing weight, just like creating success in real estate is extremely freaking simplistic. That doesn't mean it's easy. You know, like doing the workout every day or showing up and doing your dials every day. Like the difficult part is controlling the mind of, okay, do, do, I, do I eat the chicken breasts and, and, and broccoli or do I go eat the double bacon cheeseburger and, and have the beer? <laughs> yeah, right. Um, it, it's that, you know, that myth, but the, the more clear you can get on that, you know, finite reason, dude, like the more we get people to push through. You know, because like I find like dude, most people with, with takes very little training to get people to have the knowledge and skill sets that they need to go out there and create success in this industry. Well, why are they still doing it? Yeah, for me, it's simple. You know, I tie it like every my day starts at 4 a.m. 
I do that because I want to be done at 4 p.m. to hang out with my kids to go to all the practices. That, and it's that's every day. Every day for me, it's the same thing. That's the reason why. I mean, obviously, I want to have success in business, but if I get up at 4 a.m., start my day, I work for a couple hours, and I work out, take my kids to school. Those are the things that are important to me. And that's what I do every day. And the whole reason, you know, obviously to spend time with family, but to be done by 4 p.m. Like, you know, to need, I'm always like, man, I can't, I can't do a Zoom past four, you know, which is one Pacific. Yeah, we're still <laughs> working. Those are the things that are important to me. Well, what that deadline does, Preston, is a great story. And it's true is you have a daily deadline, which creates urgency. Yeah. And what Josh does with like, how much time do you have left on this earth is giving you a, a reality check that there's a deadline no matter what. And there's urgency and successful people just have more urgency a lot of times because they have a purpose or a why. I mean, and I, I was, uh, one of our reside clients and, and I was coaching one of them and, and she was working until like 9 PM and she's like, how can I work more to do more? And I'm like, oh no, 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 no. Here's the thing. You're done by five. Now you got to get everything like that. You need to create a deadline. So you can get home by five. And guess what happened? Her business went up. They didn't go down. It went up because now there's like, oh, I'm compressing time. I have this deadline. I got to get up a little earlier. I got to, I got to get, be well rested. I got to be better. You know, it's a forcing function. So does that resonate with you, Joshua, in terms of deadlines and how do you have, how do you set deadlines for yourself, artificial deadlines, or did that spur any thought? Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. So, so, um, yeah, I mean, clear, concise goals. Understand why those goals are important, why they need to be accomplished. Yeah, and almost that core of of. And I know that everybody's wired this way, but you know, um, I think those that want to create success typically are, or those that create success typically are. But it's, you know, like, like you know, to that point of like, dude, I refuse to allow this thing not to happen while I exist on this planet. Yeah, right. Um. So then from there, yeah, I mean, I'm going to create, okay, like, what are those plans? What are those goals to make that happen? Like, you know, 2023 exists to get me one step closer to here. So I know what it's all rolling up to. Um, but then from there, yeah, I mean, I, 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 not only do I know what I need to do each and every day, each and every week and each and every month to go out there and win and be on the right run rate to make that a reality. But then from there, you know, because I find that so many people, it becomes very overwhelming when you start looking at this on a long timeline. So for me, it's, you know, how do you eat an elephant one bite at a time? So like I'm living my life in 18 hour blocks. Like I sleep six hours a night. Now I'm not one to tell people how much you like assess and know if you need eight hours of sleep. Okay, great. I'm one that I feel no better on eight hours than I do six hours, you know, um, but under six hours, I've tried to hack it where I can only, you know, got four hours and like my output is this good, man. Right. So, you know, paying it to, so, okay. So then from there, you know, I've found man of, okay, if all I, all I do is obsess over, performing at my best in this eight, next 18 hour block. I'm not worrying about tomorrow. This is just John C. Maxwell quote, take care of today and tomorrow will take care of itself. You know, so then from there, I'm just trying to op- maximize and optimize to get as much done in this 18 hour sprint as I possibly can. And when I'm doing my daily planning and reflection, you know, so I, I always plan my next day, the you know, evening before. So I know from the second I wake up to the second I go to bed, everything that must take place to make that day a win. Not only do I have all that, you know, activities I need to do, they're committed to a calendar. You know, I break my calendar, that 24-hour calendar, about down into 15-minute increments. So again, I can, you know, uh, try to see how much I can get done. My goal every day is to have no white space on on that calendar. Um, um, you know, so so, but then it's just, and and let me take a step back. What I was 
leading to a minute ago is, look, I don't believe in work-life balance. So to me, it's all life. So I'm just going to integrate it, right? So on, on my daily planning, it's like all the shit I need to do, you know, for self-development, health, family, you know, whatever it may be, got to go to my kid's soccer game. Like it's all on them. It's all, you know, everything I need to do to win my life. I didn't do this when I'm on vacation, right? Which I'll get some flack for sometimes, but I'm like, fuck, I have limited amounts of vacations I might be able to take. Like I want to go out there and optimize that vacation, right? So, um, um, you know, so yeah, I mean, I, I, and then that way, then, okay, after I execute, okay, here's all, everything I need to do that went day, you know, for like our agents that we walk through this, it's like, okay, how many leads did you need to generate? How many reach outs? How many conversations? How many appointments set? How many closings? Like, what are those main KPIs, you know, that you need to hit every day? Well, at the end of the day, now we reflect on, okay, here's what you need to do to win the day. Now, what did you get done? And then we're going to reflect deeply on that. So I walk them through some reflection questions because this is the most powerful tactic I've ever done that's made the biggest overall impact on anything I've ever done. It's just this daily plan reflection. It takes like 20 minutes. You know, so, okay, after I've completed this day, first thing I'm going to reflect on it. Okay, what got done? Did I get the shit done that I needed to do? And then if not, you know, I'm assessing why. Now, you know, I, 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 I don't know if it was, which one of you said it, but earlier of, okay, we spend so much time in like daily regret, beating ourselves up on stuff. Look, I have found that the past exists not for me to beat myself up, not to develop guilt, but for me to learn and grow from it. So, so like I don't take this stuff emotionally. I remove emotions from it. Like I have days where I lose. Okay, well, why did I lose? Like me getting emotional and just saying, oh, dude, I freaking sucked. I need to get better. I'm going to do better. Like that does not serve me. That does not help. Okay, what was it that got in the way? What was it that got, you know, stole my time, energy, or focus that I allowed that I need to learn from that I need to make sure doesn't get on my calendar again? Then from there, of the things that moved the needle forward that were effective, right then and there while it's fresh, I'm assessing, okay, how can I be more effective and efficient at this thing? And I do on pennies and in seconds, you know? Um, so like a little example, because so many people are like, oh, dude, it only takes a couple minutes. So like an example, I'm at multiple different buildings and in offices and those buildings, I need keys for all these things. Well, as I'm going through this one day, I'm like, man, I'm spinning, you know, shuffling through keys and going in, you know, whatever I'm like. Dude, like those seconds roll up in the minutes, minutes roll up in the hours, those roll up in the days, hours, you know, and months out of our life just gets robbed, you know, from, from lacking efficiency. Um, so then from there, I was like, okay, what's the solution to this? Okay, let me bring a locksmith and rekey every single door that I need to get to in my life into one master key. <laughs> my mailbox and my, my, my truck, because I guess that's illegal, right? So couldn't get those done. Okay, well, that's all that. But while it's fresh, every day it's, how can I get a little bit more effective and a little bit more efficient? Now, I'm all about efficiency, but I will not sacrifice effectiveness for efficiency. So that's why, you know, I put those two together. You know, then from there, I ask myself two kind of ending gut, gut check questions that, that really resonate with me. You know, number one, okay, if I were to hire a high paying CEO to replace me and then get exactly what I did today, would I be proud or disappointed with their performance? You know, essentially, yeah. I'm myself, like, would I fire my own ass? The secondary question is, if my wife and kids shadowed me all day long today, if they were fly on the wall, would they be proud or disappointed? Would my wife be like, hey, we don't get to see you a lot, and this is what the fuck you're doing with your time? Y'all, would she be like, hey, I am so honored and blessed to be married to such an amazing man that works his ass off to create amazing opportunities for me and our family? Would my kids be like, what the fuck, dad? Or would they be like, dude, you know, like, am, am I leading the way I need to lead? So for me, that resonates with me, you know, right? So that's just those gut check answers. And now if I answer disappointed to those questions, okay, what must I do going forward to ensure that they wouldn't be disappointed in those scenarios? Then from there, now I plan on, based on that, I plan on the next perfect day. Because the thing with, you know, understanding our KPIs, I know some people aren't big, you know, but like to me, 
Like I, yeah, yeah, I want to have clarity on what I want, why I want, why it's important to me, because that gets me to go out there and take actions, you know, on those things. But to me, I, like, dude, like you got to know the details inside your business, you got to know the KPIs, right? So I obsess over the KPIs. Well, then from there, you know, we're gonna have days where those KPIs are off. You know, maybe I get a call today from my kid's school, and my they're like, hey, your kid's got strep throat, you got to go pick them up. Yeah, okay. Well, an airplane spends ninety percent of the time in the air adjusting the nose to back to the target because of turbulence. We're gonna have turbulence in our business, turbulence in our life, fires come up. Okay, well now if I if I didn't get those KPIs done, okay, now I can course correct. I can readjust. You know, so paying attention to this, you know, daily, weekly. I don't know. I think that answers your question, Nick. Yeah. And more. And more. Yeah, that's great perspective, dude, about hiring the CEO. That's great perspective. It's an amazing perspective on the CEO. And I also love the gut check question. You use pain a lot to motivate your ass to, to, to stay on course. But I also have the same thing with going home. It's like, if I'm going home and I'm going to look my wife in the eye and I have to explain, I have to have a reason why I'm 30 minutes past, you know, or she's making dinner, it's she already ate and I didn't make it there. Like I, I didn't want that to happen. So it's like, yeah, I got to optimize throughout the day. Um, this has been an amazing conversation. I, I'm super excited to listen to it again. Uh, Sunit, Preston, any lasting questions? Oh, well, no. I have I have a couple more questions I want to ask. Yeah. Now that Joshua gave it time. No, this is years in the making. So we could go on that um, other topic of personal development and everything forever, and maybe we do again some other time. But... Let's talk about like real estate and like the whole leads opportunities game, right? Uh, you no doubt built your great CRM platform uh, back to the, um, am I freezing? Okay. Here we go. Um, you built uh, Perfect Storm, which um, I think we have an account still, Dan does for sure. So familiar with that. Probably one of the first of its kind at the time, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, from from a, a highly effective digital marketing lead gen platform, you know, and, and it's metamorphosized into you know different different. Still have that, but yeah, at the beginning it was, you know, like just obsessing over how can we get a ten percent plus conversion rate on every one of our opt in pages, you know, right? Which, you know, can can you know three x our ROI with any lead source. So yeah, awesome. So, what is your view today on like online lead game because you know you got the big referral companies one of them just increased their fee that um a lot of people are talking about we don't need to say any names right but i'm curious although it's obvious uh i'm curious like how you feel about that because i remember this like you know dan and i were sitting in an office back in the day dan Dan Herbert, and we were just listening to everything that you that you put out back then. Start a new team, um, and I remember, like you know, I'm I'm going to buy a more expensive lead source, and Dan's all well, you know. Joshua is still talking about generating all these free leads on uh, social media, which is something I learned from you that no doubt made me a lot of money. Um, did you ever go down the portal route in your career? Yeah, yeah. So there, there's a because a, 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 a few things here. Because I get asked all the time, like, well, what's what are the best lead gen sources? What's the best like? What's your overall methodology for lead yeah. gen? I'm like, look, if you want to for longevity of career, if you want to continue to grow and scale your your real estate business, 
Like you've got to get damn good at also your ability to go out there and read the markets. So here's an example. Up till about 18 months ago, one of our institutional clients, that was a big investor client of ours, we were averaging about 20 units a month as far as sales with this one client. Okay, cost of capital goes up. They're like, hey, we are completely out. We're pausing until cost of capital goes down. Like our numbers just don't add up. We're done. So then all of a sudden now I got a 200, you know, 240 plus annual deficit in sales. Okay, well, I got... I, I can't have that, you know, right? Like I, I refuse to not grow and scale my business year after year. You know, so um, markets are going to shift. Markets are going to change. So when it comes down to lead generation, because everything works and nothing doesn't, but we have to have the ability, again, to go out there and read markets, identify where those opportunities are at and the biggest opportunities are at, um, um, you know, based on that given market. And things are going to be strong. Things are going to be low, you know, based on that, you know, with that. Then from there, like, dude, I, I'm a fan on whatever freaking works, wherever you're getting a great ROI, you know, but I'm also not a fan um, of putting my eggs on one basket, you know, right? Um, so here's an example. So th like this, so I was with Zillow years and years and years ago. Now we, you know, have a Zillow Flex account now today, but this was years and years and years ago with Premier. Um, and, uh, uh, you know, I spent about 16000 a month at that time. And my average cost per lead was about 17 bucks. you know, because they used to charge by click. Then one day come in the office and they're like, okay, now we're going to start, we switched to how we charge and now we're going to switch to impressions, which maybe yeah. works better. But my cost per lead went from like 17 to almost 50 and it crushed my ROI. You know, now I'm stuck in an annual contract. I'm stuck, not what, whatever. Like, again, I'm not saying like, I love Zillow, huge fan of Zillow and, 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 you know, um, you know, we do well with our Zillow Flex account. Um, uh, but with that, that was a huge eye opener for me of all shit, man. I can't like I got to I got to make sure I always know how to hunt and fish for myself and that I am in control of my own fate. So that's when I went and started learning Google pay-per-click and learning, you know, and then, of course, Facebook ads now or whatever that may be. Um, um, you know, but then from there, like I said, you know, you got to be able to read those different markets. Because like my favorite overall, like if we look at the and assess the market, because we've got to understand there is no such thing as a good market or a bad market. The real estate market's always good for somebody. It's professionals. It's our job to identify whom the market is good for, pivot, shift, and adapt to whom it's good for. And our business will always continue to go out there and explode. You know, um, so so as we're assessing those markets, you know, who's buying, who's selling, why are they buying, why are they selling, where are they going, where are they coming from? So you look at this market right now. Okay, we are in the most unaffordable real estate market to exist in U.S. recorded history. We're in the most unaffordable time to be alive as a U.S. citizen in recorded history. Um, we are in the most competitive real estate space to ever exist in recorded history. When we look at number of transactions, number of listings versus number of licensed agents, you know, um, so look, it's a very competitive time. So I'm assessing this. I'm looking what's going on with the consumer savings rate and you know, consumer debt rate. And you know, I'm looking at the big picture here. Um, and we're like, okay, well, well, where are the best niches? Because like, look, I still love competitive niches like Fizbo's or expireds or open houses or whatever. And hey, as long as we do those things consistent and do them better than our competitors and come up with better unique selling propositions and different value adds, okay, we can have huge success and be better, you know, and, and be victorious at those things. But that sweet spot is where is there that huge necessity and demand for our services, but where do I have the least amount of my competition? So looking for those blue oceans, if you will, right? Um, so then in this market right now, I'm, I'm sitting there assessing this. I'm like, okay, man, we have a huge increase in NODs. So you got 84 million mortgages throughout the United States. You got 12 million HELOCs, right? About 2.8% of those are in, in default status right now. So between 30 days in default and, and haven't been foreclosed upon yet. 
you know, and about half of those are equity sales, but they need to sell. They need to sell immediately. Otherwise, their home's going to be foreclosed on. They're going to lose that equity. The other half of those are short sales. We're versed in those. We know those inside and out. You know, um, you know, okay, well, that is a niche. Like if I go out there on Facebook right now and talk about, you know, short sales, I just get a bunch of hate. Oh, the market's strong. It's not going to crash. Prices are, you know, right? And I get a bunch of shallow reasons and answers as to why this market isn't going to crash that hold little to no weight. And I, but you know, so, but the reason why I bring that up, I'm not saying the market's going to crash. I don't have a crystal ball. Um, um, I don't deal in speculation, but the market doesn't need to crash for hardships. Right now, we're watching the middle class get evaporated. It's the haves and have not, right? Like, we people don't need to, the market doesn't crash. People experience hardships. So that is something that's not even on the vast majority of, of agents' radars. Like, it is so fucking easy right now to get a listing a day in this market, right? So then from there, we're looking at, okay, investors, okay, short-term vacation rentals, your Airbnbs, your, you know, you got 1.3 million of these throughout the United States, about 700,000 of these were acquired post-COVID. So they all bought wrong. Yeah, right. You had 70% OC rates up until, occupancy rates up until this year. Now average is 52% occupancy rate. So cash flow is down 18%. You know, um, so they're bleeding capital, Cost you know, right? And we're targeting them to go out there and get listings. And then your long-term buy and hold investors, right? You got most markets. We're experiencing cap rate compressions for the first time in decades. You know, you got taxes going up, insurance going up, rents coming down, maintenance going up. Like if you want to sell your house at or close to peak pricing um, before your cash flow goes too far into the negative, um, you know, for those that didn't buy right, you know, um, oh, oh, then, okay, you can go out there and be victorious. And I always love like win-win niches. So like with these investor niches, right? Like let's just say, you know, the 92% that we have conversations with that don't need a list right now. Now, hey, property's performing great. Don't need to go out there and list or don't, you know, have no intent of selling now or ever, or ever in the future. Okay. Hey, great. That's so great. And hey, real quick, before I let you go, you know, uh, just out of curiosity, if I could find you other properties that perform as good, if not better than, you know, this current property. Would you have interest in adding additional real estate properties to your portfolio? And if so, would it be okay with you if I emailed you over any great deals I find? Any decently sophisticated savvy investor says yes to that. So if I can't get them on the, the, the you know, buy side, I'm going to capture them on the sales side. You know, so, I mean, these are just examples. Like, dude, I'm a fan of all of it. You know, um, but where most people go wrong is they don't pay attention to timeline, psychology, and they don't, and if you don't know timeline and psychology, it becomes an impossibility to come up with and create the best overall conversion plan to go out and convert at a high enough percentage to get the unnecessary ROI with any lead source. Solid. Good. That's what I was looking for. <laughs> Question uh, eight years in the making. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Good. Well, Nick, any final thoughts? Well, yeah. I mean, is that's what's a question I ask myself too on that hearing you speak about is what's trending not in the negative light I think a lot of people are doom and gloom like oh it's trending up away from what was working so it's going to be worse no 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 what's trending and where's the opportunity in that trend okay yeah the interest rates went up who benefits from that where's the opportunity going to show up and I think Joshua just ex demonstrated all the different aspects that will emerge in this marketplace. And I've, a lot of agents and team leaders haven't ever experienced that before in the past. It's like the Ray Dalio. Is this another one of those? Is this is like something that's happened in the past? Yeah. And so just, just understanding the economics of it and seeing trends and, and the psychology of why people do what they do. It's like, if you bought Apple at $200, 
and now it's down to 180 and you're still holding on to 200, shouldn't you buy more of it? Like you're holding on to some of it and it's worth less. You chose not to sell it. So you'd buy more. It's on discount. So if I'm an investor and I'm holding on to a rental at a certain cap and I can find you a better cap, you either sell that investment and 1031 to the new one, or obviously you're demonstrating that you would buy more better deal. So Josh is like, I, if I find you a better deal, would you buy more? Yeah. Is that a limitation in capital or you just are, are, are dumb. Like yeah. you have limited, you have limitations. Yeah. And can I yeah, add one more thing to that too? Cause it's, it's, you know, like I, I'm always looking for those current opportunities, but then from there, in addition to that, it's okay, let's just assess. And I talked about this earlier of, okay, mastering the sales funnel. So let's just say, okay, well, past clients, if our SOI and past client, that repeat referral business is our number one lead source, if we're playing the long game, because if you want to play the long game, it's increasing LTV, lifetime value of each customer. Well, then, okay, if I know that that's important to my business, you will, how can I 10X my, my past client adoption? Yeah, right. Um, so, so, you know, okay, when I get like all those, you know, Zillow lead or whomever. Yeah, right. Let's just say you're doing your long-term follow-up with what, if you're, if you're doing enough follow-up, you're going to consistently hear, let's just say with buyer leads, oh, I already bought. What well, discourages most agents, right? Well, for me, like I look at that as, okay, I'm just going to slide into my adopt the past client, you know, past client follow-up script now where, hey, congratulations. I'm telling you about what you end up buying, what you end up getting, you know, like I'm, I'm getting into the, you know, interest of that. Well, hey, before I let you go, I mean, it sounds like you got a beautiful home that you're extremely happy, going to be in for years. So, so with that being said, you know, with your permission, I'd love to check in on you every few months, see how you're doing. I understand and know that you just bought this beautiful home. You're not looking at selling anytime now. I just want to check in to see if there's anything that you need, anything I could do to serve and support. Look, you might need a landscaper. You might need a handyman. You might need contractors. Look, I'm not just here to be your realtor. I'm also here to be a resource in any way that I possibly can. So I'm just now I've, but that inserting that language of not just here to be your realtor, also resource any way I can. Now, I just adopted that client because we know we got a 90% shot chance, probability, if you will, um, that that agent is going to collect their commission check and never follow up with that client again. Okay, well, when they're ready, you know, I'm always playing that long game. <clears throat> so how can I position that relationship where when they're going to go sell in the future, boom, I got them. And that's how I transition from you know the great financial crisis where everything was REO and short sales. Like there was such a huge turnover like I just adopted everyone that was buying any one of my, you know, any of my properties, which pop by with the closing gifts, you know, get to meet them, shake their hand, yeah, let them know, give my information, let them know if there's anything that they need. I'm here to support, help, serve support, help in any way I possibly can and ask their permit. Hey, with your permission, would it be okay if I check in every 90 days with you just to see if there's anything that you need? Look, you got this beautiful home. I know you're not looking to sell. So I'm not just here to be your realtor. I'm also here to be a resource. So if there's anything I can do real estate related or not, you know, I'm here to help in any way I can. Everybody says yes to that. I'm just adopting those relationships in. So assessing again, everything that you're doing and just how can I amplify this? Even the business cards. You know, like I, I created, you know, came up with a four-sided business card that then stands up like a TP versus, you know, when we're even doing showings, you know, but in there when they open up, it's a little pamphlet with all our guarantees and differentiators on what we do different than our competitors. So then when that seller comes home and sees that business card there and their agent's failing them, you know, boom, they're thinking of us, you know, it's like, every Smart, I like that. think of how can we optimize this? It's not about doing anything revolutionary. It's about how do we do things better and optimize what everybody else is doing, but just optimizing what we're doing it better than they are. Yeah. You talk about that too. Like most agents, like you said, that they, they already bought, they give up right there. They stop, they move that lead to trash or whatever. What's the percentage do you think of agents that actually do that? 
probably over 90 percent they give up nr they say that 88 they serve when they survey post purchase 88 percent of buyers and sellers love their realtors only 11 percent ever do a repeat yeah well i'm just saying the percentage of people that quit when the person on the other line says hey i already bought something Oh, not of them say, okay, bye. They don't continue that on. And probably a lot of them just move that person to trash or move that person to no more follow-up. hundred percent they do trash. Yep. Yeah. Yep. I just click a button where it adds them to my 20 year past client follow drip, tells me what to do. And it, yeah. Yeah. it's so good. Cause when, good. when, when the, the last few years, not this year, but the previous couple of years, you know, I called it hungry, hungry hippos. It was just, there's tons of more. <laughs> There's tons of marbles out there. You just hit the paddle as fast as you can. Just paddle, 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 paddle. And now there's not as many marbles out there, which, you know, the marbles like an inbound call where we're not as getting as many hand raisers inbound calls as we were. So that's opening up. That's no problem. That just opens up our capacity to do things like what Joshua was just saying, past clients and the long game and resources and working on those business cards. Yeah. Without... Without making this go 10 hours, where can people reach, find you, follow you, if they're not already? Yeah, for the two people out there in real estate that don't know Joshua, right? <laughs> well, yeah. Well, yeah. So gsdmode.com is is kind of the hub website. And then from there, you can, you know, has all, connect with me on YouTube, wherever the podcast is. Got a bunch of free training resources on there. As far as YouTube or any social media, if you just type in Joshua Smith, GSD. You'll find me. GSD's name of the GSD mode's name of the podcast. Get shit done. Um, so Joshua's with GSD or just go to gsdmode.com. Awesome. Joshua, serious final question. Do you have any t-shirts that aren't black? No, hell no. Okay. <laughs> no, I, I do. I we've got a long sleeve um uh t-shirt, but it's a, like a long sleeve hoodie that's gray that has the black GSD on it. But that's okay. the only one. Okay. Good. Well, dude, thank you so much for joining us. Um, really opportune and really grateful for the opportunity for us and our audience. And uh, yeah, you guys go follow Joshua. This is the cool shit he's doing. And if you got something out of this episode, which I know you did, because I did, uh, make sure to like and subscribe. And then we'll see you on the next Liz Ad Platform podcast. See ya. Yeah.